Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty, and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. Good afternoon and welcome to episode 28 of Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and before we do anything else, I want to wish everyone listening a very happy Labor Day weekend and thank you so much for tuning in as part of your holiday celebration. Listen, if this is your first time tuning into the show, I just want to share with you the heart behind this program. Serving Our Nation is focused on encouraging people to become servant leaders. My goal is to offer you hope and encouragement through stories each week of people that have focused their lives on being servant leaders and honoring God. Because what I know beyond the shadow of a doubt is that when you do that, blessings just naturally follow as a byproduct of being a servant leader. Because every single person is given a very special gift by God. We all have different callings, and it is our job, our responsibility to use those callings in such a way that when we see a need, when we identify a need in a situation around us, it is our responsibility to fill that need in some way, to serve, love, and care for other people in whatever way we can. And in the last six months, it has been my honor and privilege to have on so many different guests that have represented that in different walks of life, throughout the military, business, faith, community, and within family. And just last week, I had on my longtime friend and mentor, Mr. Bob Thomas, as well as my good friend, Mr. Bill Kamer. And both of these gentlemen, not only did they serve long careers in the United States Army, but they also have been lifelong mentors to the people that have been in their orbit, to people that they have reached, and they can reach out and touch and influence their lives. And that mentorship has done so much to affect the lives of so many people. And so I just want to encourage you to be able to use what you hear from these guests and do that in your own life. So just a little bit about me. I've had some good fortune through my ministry efforts. I've met a gentleman named Colonel Dave Davis. He's an Army Reserve officer, and he's the director of admissions for Penn State. And again, as I mentioned, my good friend Bob Thomas that was on last week, he introduced me to my second guest for today. And his name is Mr. Justin Behrens. He's a licensed social worker, and he's also the CEO and executive director at Keystone Mission. Because, again, everything is about relationships and being able to love, serve, and care for other people. So I'm so excited about the guest today. And we come back from the break. I'll be joined by Colonel Dave Davis. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media Production. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Colonel Dave Davis. Sir, are you on the line? I sure am. Sir, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule on a holiday weekend to be on the program here today. My pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me on. 
I know you and I uh, met probably a month or so ago um, under kind of austere circumstances, but just doing well for a fellow soldier. Well, sir, you know, that, that one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about was, you know, we connected through being able to serve a service member and be able to minister him in different ways and our different capacities. But, you know, I was really captivated by your story about being in the Army. So I wonder if you would share with the listeners, like, how you got to be in our Army. What, what was the story like for you of why you decided to join and how and when and all of that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah there really is no, I mean, just when I was younger, younger being my early teens, I always wanted to join the military. Mm-hmm. It's always like a calling I had that I would have kind of felt more, like more whole or felt incomplete if I hadn't tried it. Right. Um, I kind of hit it more seriously when I turned 17, and the honestly, my parents were against it. Um, kind of like most parents out there, worried about their baby, their son going off somewhere, being in danger, whatever. Sure. Um, in addition to that, I had two uncles who served in Vietnam, and they saw it came back and called out of their retreat. They were kind of skeptical about me joining the military. Um, so my dad was like, yeah, go, kind of go try ROTC in college if you like it, then go ahead and pursue that with a commission afterwards. Um, my, my first semester of college, um, I still had the urge to join the military, so I enlisted in the Army Reserve in uh, November of 1991. Wow. Um, during the, the summer of 1992, I went to basic training, AIT. I did my, uh, my job training as a combat engineer and became and joined the, the uh, forces of the, of the reserves, joined the ranks of the reserve forces. Um, I did that while I was in college. Um, also, while I was in college, I was in ROTC. Mm-hmm. Um, upon my graduation of college in 1997, I got commissioned as a second lieutenant into active duty Army. And um, I, I did my, my active duty Army obligation, and then I left um, active duty and joined reserves. Um, just doing that, I'm more of a family decision on um, just moving every so often and wife and I want to start a family and not, not moving around everywhere and have a, a more stable, um, steady, um, permanent residence. So um, I did that. I joined, I went back to reserve again in uh, 2000, and I've, since that time I've been. Um, in reserve status as well as activated three or four times for various reasons. First was in 2003 for the um, invasion of Iraq, and then in uh, 2013 through 14 to assist uh, soldiers going overseas. We, we did their uh, their mobilization training. We were the last group they saw before they went overseas. Mm-hmm. And then most recently, I am um, the current um, acting commander for 70 train division. Uh, I, I came on board. Um, the position the active duty couldn't fill, so they brought me on board to fill that. And um, since that time, me coming in as a deputy commander, my boss um, will be making his second star pretty soon, soon. So he moved on to bigger and better things. So until a vacancy is filled, I'm stepping in as the uh, current division commander. And sir, just for clarity for the listeners, in your current position that you're holding down, you're filling the billet of a two-star general, correct? A uh, one-star general. A one-star. Yeah. Yes, one-star. Okay, and so. I imagine with all the different things that you are doing right now, there, there's got to be a tremendous impact of the Army life, especially now as the acting division commander, on your family. What What is that like for them? Um, it, it is. I mean, I 
I am stationed out of Fort Dix, New Jersey, but I my, my family's around Pittsburgh, so I come home um, when feasible. I try getting home on weekends as efficient as I make right now with the long holiday weekend. So, um, but I mean, just like most military spouses, whenever I go somewhere, wherever a spouse goes somewhere, the burden of the family falls on the person left behind, whether it be a stateside mobilization or someone going overseas. So every issue that comes up, my wife got to deal with, which right. I give her credit for that, as well as any other military spouse out there, because usually when something, whenever I go away somewhere, something happens around the house. So the refrigerator breaks, car needs uh, new brakes, something always happens, and normally falls upon my wife to kind of navigate those waters. So um, with that being said, we have a lot of support of friends and family in the area. Um, when people know I was getting mobilized the last couple of times, um, just people I've had acquaintance with, like really I knew as friends but not, not really close friends, they hand, readily stepped up like, hey, if you need something, please let me know. I'm a phone call away. So at, um, that was very reassuring and great to see other people stepping up going to help my family during this. And that's kind of seen across the board and other people get mobilized. Um, music the community steps up and kind of helps, helps their family. I think right now, in the, since uh, 9-11, um, with more and more reservists being activated, that more more impact on communities. Like my, my coworkers at Penn State University know I'm gone, so they're directly impacted by me not being there. And right. same with other, other employers across the country. And they're but when their coworker leaves, they feel they they um, fill that void that that person used to have. Well, sorry. One of the things that I was wondering about, you know, when we first met, it was to be able to go and minister to a service member that was uh, in rehab, if you will, uh, and the way that you were approaching him and the, the way that your command has been doing things to help him behind the scenes, it was very clear to me that you are a servant leader. So I'm just curious, like, how did the Army teach you about that? Like, what were you able to glean during your time in, I guess, 24 years now in our Army? How did the Army teach you about servant leadership to be the kind of leader that you are today to be able to care for soldiers in that way? I think, I think your last phrase summed it up, caring for soldiers um, in every way, shape, or form possible, both professionally helping them uh, get better within their current job, their, their current rank and job, but also preparing them for the next step, their next promotion. Um, along with that, just helping take care of their families as best we can. Because um, we are aware, like in today's environment, of reservists being activated, I mentioned before the burden falls back on the spouse and the family left behind on being hyper aware of that and helping and kind of making families like making families part of the team. So like my, my I learned this like I have a mentor back in my freshman year in ROTC, the freshman year in college, is like a phrase still sticks with me, and he said, "You always take care of other people because you always end up taking care of yourself in the in the in the back, in the back end of it because of mm. you need to stay up longer to help a soldier, whatever after hours, whatever." And it goes late into the evening. You'll, you'll get your sleep. That's not a problem. You'll you'll may miss a meal, but you'll you'll eventually eat. But taking care of that that person is your number one priority. And I think that's that's paid dividends. Just that that little phrase. And um, yeah, and just I mean, it's very rewarding seeing soldiers kind of working with them through the last what twenty five thirty years, um, and seeing them progress to the ranks. I've been in long enough to 
see see soldiers I've worked with as privates now as first sergeant, sergeant majors, making a positive impact on the military. So mm-hmm. um, just kind of take care of people that that work for you. Um, uh, the, uh, the circumstance you and I met with the soldier in a hospital, um, it's extremely rewarding to see, like, people in the echelons above me, the, the, the um, units above me as well as units below me, all banding together to help this service member out. Yes. To include the community agency. So just helping people. Um, that's the root of, the, of the, any organization, especially the military. Um, people are, are, are our biggest asset we have. So just take care of them. Sir, absolutely. I, I love what you said, um, that words of wisdom that you got your freshman year. Take care of other people because one day it will come back to you. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever listened to my program before, but I always talk about this idea of when you put good into the universe, good comes back to you. It might not be right away. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. It might be a year from now. But when you do good for somebody and you really pour into somebody's life, there are blessings that just naturally come from that. Like, God honors that when you serve and care for other people. And you never know how or when it's going to come, but the blessings do come. Would you agree with that, sir? I would would absolutely agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know you you do these acts selflessly without any any, um, intent of getting rewarded on the back end, but... But but you always are rewarded on the back end, right? By by, by God's grace, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, sir, I mean, now you're sitting in a seat of a one-star general. Uh, I I apologize before. I guess that he had gotten promoted from the one-star to the two-star. So that was my mistake. But you're now sitting in a one-star billet, and you have a lot of people that are looking to you for example and for leadership. Like, how are you able to model servant leadership and all the different things that you do? to those that you lead. I mean, you, you have a pretty big position of authority and responsibility now that people are watching you. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to fathom. <laughs> I never, <laughs> I never, I never imagined this 20 some years ago. Yeah. I'd be sitting like where I, where I currently am, but no, but, um, yeah, but just making yourself available, like let people know that you care about them, yes. not just them doing the job for you, but you care about them and their progression, uh, both personally and professionally. And then make yourself available to them. Like I always like end any phone call. If you need something from me, I'm a phone call or email away. Yes. Please do not hesitate to reach out to me. And I've had uh, various members reach out about for whatever issues they need um, assistance on something, maybe a recommendation for for a uh, um, for somebody. I'm meeting a. Uh, um, a high school uh, senior over the holiday break next day or so who's interested in going to Naval Academy. So I'd, 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 be, I'd be more than happy to write you a letter of recommendation. So just um, just make yourself available to people who work for you, and then they, they, they know that you are there for them. And just to serve in leadership, I mean, I, I mean, I, we can we can we can do everything we can for for people, and I think. I think um, and just pay dividends throughout, throughout my career on help, helping people. I'll do the best I can for them, and then in, in return, they are they're better people, they're better soldiers, they're better students, and they pay forward to the people they interact with. Amen. Well, sir, you know, first of all, I want to thank you for you being available to my son because I know your other role, you serve as the admissions director for Penn State, and you know, like you took time out of your schedule to spend an hour with my kid talking to him about 
Penn State and scholarship opportunities and all things of that nature. And like that was way above and beyond what you're called to do, you know, in your role as a colonel or with Penn State. Like you took time to personally talk to my kid. And that's just this idea of being available. Like I really appreciate that. And I, I wonder like how many students that you've been able to do that for in your capacity with Penn State during the time you've been there. Holy smokes. I mean, I I couldn't even tell you, but, I mean, I go out and I do presentations. I mean, bottom line is I want students to come to Penn State because that's, that's my civilian job. But if they don't, that's fine, too. I mean, I, I have no problem sharing my knowledge with them. They can make the best informed decision for them and their families. Absolutely. And I'm happy to walk it through admissions processes, help them find scholarships to help them alleviate the financial burden for them and their families, and just help, help them get a bigger picture on what's out there for them so they can make a well-educated decision on on the next phase of their life. Well, I remember you saying that you did your active duty requirement and then you transitioned to reserves for family and stability and all like that. And I certainly understand that. I moved nine times in 20 years. But I, I wonder why you chose to go into the admissions route and particularly why Penn State? Why was that appealing to you? Um, part of it is like this, like growing up, I mean, I... My, my dad, in, in later, later junior high, early high school, my dad lost his job. The whole plane shut down. He lost his job. So um, I wanted to be with a, a organization that had longevity, mm. that, that really had no threat of closing down or doing shutdowns or reducing forces. And Penn State's been around for a long, long time. Absolutely. It's a phenomenal place, it's a phenomenal place to work with. Um, the name is known throughout the world. I've been through for uh, Penn State admissions. I've been to Vietnam, Thailand, uh, Indonesia, and Singapore, and people know Penn State in those countries. It's kind of crazy. Wow. But just able to go and share all the great things Penn State has for students as well as just higher education has for students to get them to the next uh, plateau of their life. Like I tell students when I meet them in high school, like, you go into college is your first real adult decision because where you where you chose to live with no choice you're on that's where your parent or guardian chose to live. Yeah, most of your friends are byproduct of the high school you go to because that's just the circle of people you meet. Yep. So you go into college is the first phase of you stepping outside your boundary, making the decision that has one financial impacts as well as um, impacts that will make um, contacts people the rest of your life to get to the next phase of your life to a hopefully a successful career down the road and something in the field you want to do. Um, told you want to be in. Well, sir, we got about two minutes left, but one of the things that I was really curious about, and I think would help the listeners as well, I mean, you got the military career, you're an acting division commander, you're an admissions director for Penn State, and you've got a family. How do you balance all of those things and be able to equally serve all three different groups that you're involved with so well? I, I I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I, it is it is a tough balance. I mean, it, it, it truly is. I mean, I mean, at some point, something has to give. Um, but I think just being like in the in the moment, wherever you are, and and doing that. So, like my family. I mean, we we when I'm just when I'm gone, I come back for weekends. We carve out special time for family events. So yes. so I am present and there, and then just being available for for my family in a way. If I'm stateside, I'm a phone call. I'm a phone call away from them. My wife and I talk every night. Talk to the kids almost every night uh, when they're available, based upon their schedules. Um, yeah, I mean, it is a hard balance. And, and other people who are reservists, they they do the same juggling act as everybody else does. So it's kind of just carving out time to find what's important to you. 
Absolutely. It's, it goes so, back to the idea you said before of being available. Well, sir, in our, our last minute, I, I wonder, is there any advice that you would give to young people that are listening that might be considering the military or might be considering college? Like, what next steps and recommendations would you give them based on your Fox on all the different things that you've done? I, I think, yes, I know I told your son about this. One of, one of my kind of keys to success is take an active interest in your future. You should be your own best career manager. So whatever you want, whether you're active, uh, whether you're military, uh, going into uh, college, into workforce, grasp that and then jump in feet first. Like, yes, I'm going to enter the workforce. I'm going I'm to be the best whatever I'm going to. I'm going to college. I'm going to be the best student I can. And take an active interest in your in your life to make, get you down, the, down to your next, your next goal that you have. So that is awesome. It, it has been such a privilege and an honor to have you on the show, not just because you work at Penn State and you help my son, and not just because we were able to minister to the soldier together, but just because of who you are, sir, and the things that you have done for our country, for Penn State. It has been a privilege to have you on, and thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, sir. Thanks again. Listen, when right. we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Mr. Justin Behrens. Stay with us. We'll be right back back let's get in my car and i won't take you for a ride if you're interested in connecting with dr paul mccullough or interested in being featured on the show contact jacob media partners via linkedin now back to serving our nation and welcome back to serving our nation on news talk 1400 wond I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Mr. Justin Behrens. Justin, you on the line? Yep. Well, Justin, first of all, thank you so much for taking your time on a holiday weekend to be on the program today. It's an honor to have you on the show. Thank you. It's an honor to be on here. Well, Justin, I'm, you know, looking at uh, the bio that you sent me and your LinkedIn profile and all the different things that you've done, it feels like a logical place to start a conversation is with your background as a social worker. So can you tell us a little bit about how you felt a call to this field, like why you wanted to get into social work? Yeah, so it was actually very interesting. Actually, I joined um, the social work profession, actually, um, out of the military. Um, it was one of those, um, when you get hurt in the military and they, they get you back on track to get an education, yep. um, I took advantage of that and I got my social work degree. And the reason I chose it was um, I noticed all across this country and all across uh, Pennsylvania, because that's where I'm from, uh, there's a lot of broken people. There's yes. a lot of people that are hurting. And I wanted to help them through my experiences. I wanted to help them uh, get them back on track, get them back to becoming productive members of society. Yes. And that was the really true calling um, was I just wanted to help individuals. So how long have you been doing this? How long have you been an active social worker? So I actually been a social worker for almost 13 years now. Okay. Um, and I, I got my master's at a Temple University. And uh, ever since then, I've been just exploring and going forward and, and really in-depth, really trying to um, get experience and get all the knowledge I can so that I could help individuals um, in their field. Sure. Now, did your family have any kind of influence on you going down this path, or was it completely you know, just what you felt in your heart? Well, uh, prior to me actually trying to get my social work degree, I was actually trying to become a nurse. Okay. And um, that's where I met my wife. Mm -hmm. um, it was in nursing school. Uh, wow. I did not graduate the nursing school. My wife did. 
And um, I continued on, as I said, with the social work field. And I think it's important uh, in today's world that the family nucleus is the most important. And so this was a family decision um, for me to come into social work. It's a very time-consuming, it's very demanding, um, and it's it's very uh, draining on you emotionally, physically, and everything else. And so I just wanted to make sure my family was on board with that. And my wife, obviously, being in the nursing field, she was 100% behind it. That's awesome. You know, when... Uh, I met my wife 26 years ago. I was just an ROTC cadet at the time, and it was freshman year. And I said to her, like, without any hesitation, I was like, if you want to have a relationship, I love you very much, but you need to know I'm going into the Army, and it takes a certain kind of woman to be an Army spouse. Like, are you ready for what that means? And we had a lot of long conversations about that. I, I assume similar to what you talked to your wife about, and she did say, I'm all in, and she stayed with me my entire 20-year career. But it takes a very special kind of woman to be able to do the kind of things that your wife and my wife have put up with for such a long time. Oh, 100%. I mean, my wife, similar to yours, had you know when I was in the military and I got my deployment papers to go to Iraq, um, that was a decision that she had to make, you know, yeah. our, our Am I going to be there? Am I going to stay by your side? Do yeah. I really want to go through this whole process of being deployed? Um, what's awesome is is that uh, we have faith that's behind us. Um, yes. We have a uh, we have a God that's good to us, and so we're continuously looking uh, for Him for guidance. and And I think that's the biggest decision that my wife and I made um, in anything is that we stopped doing it for ourselves and we did it for God, and, and we let Him direct us from where to go. Yeah, you know when uh, we were first in the process of preparing to get married and going through marriage counseling, uh, one of the things that was true, true wisdom was said to us, you know, it's not just the two of you. It's a triangle, and the two of you are the left and right bottom points of the triangle, and God is at the top. And the minute you think it's just a straight line, that's when it stops working. I agree 100%. That cord is the most important cord, you know, the three strands together. Yeah. I agree. Well, I, I wonder, like... In all the things that you've done and all the people that you've helped, I mean, there had to be somebody that has poured into you to help you grow as a social worker. You didn't just wake up one day and say, oh, okay, like I'm a social worker now and I know everything how to do. There had to be people that really helped you grow and develop into who you are today. I would say, yeah, there was. Actually, um, we know coming back from conflict and coming back from situations overseas, uh, things get tough on soldiers, and um, they reach out for help themselves. Yeah. Uh, at least I hope they will, and they will um, continue to. Yeah. And, and so I reached out myself uh, for help, and it was actually a social worker that kind of helped me get through my process. And uh, it was funny because I asked him, I said, what do you do for a living? Like, what is your degree? Because I thought he was a counselor. And he says, oh, I'm a social worker. Mm. And from that day on, uh, he's become like my brother. He's been mentoring me, directing me, getting me through where I need to go, the directions, um, and, and really using that um, as a as, as a person to reach out and get information from. And, and I, you know, he's like a brother to me, um, and he's guided me. He's the one that pushed me to keep going for my masters and continue my education. So. I think everybody, no matter what profession you choose, right, you need to actually find that person that you can use as your mentor or as your guider. And I found mine, and I think no matter what it is, if you're doing auto mechanics or you're doing anything, you should find that mentor that's going to pull you and say, okay, I'm ready to get you in the right direction. I'm going to help you, and I'm going to walk this path with you because I love you as a brother, and I love you, and I want to make sure that you get in the right direction. And that's who I found. You know, I could not agree with you more. Just last week, 
Uh, I don't know if you were able to hear last week's episode, but I had on one of my very first mentors, longtime friend. Uh, his name is Bob Thomason. He helped me in my path through ROTC and getting into the military and all like that. And now in my current role, I serve at the church with Kingsway Leadership School. And one of my primary roles is to pair mentors with mentees and looking at their spiritual gifts and their needs and their personalities and all those things because you can't do life alone. You need somebody to come alongside you and help you no matter where you're at in life, young or old. And I agree. That, that, that's actually a beautiful thing. And, and that's, there should be more of that out there uh, and more focus on that because that's what's going to make this a better country, a better world and giving back to making society even better. Amen. Well, okay, so you've done the social work thing now for quite a while. Is there something that sticks out as, like, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do, the, the most difficult situation with a family or the hardest thing you've had to say or just something that really stuck out where God showed up and helped you through it? I would say that the hardest part in, in my profession as a social worker um was dealing in crisis situations mm -hmm. and you're kind of like, I, I call it the special forces of mental health. It's yes. like you're out there in the front lines and, and you have to make decisions right then and there. Yeah. And so these individuals that I'm seeing are either want to take their life or they want to hurt someone else. And, and we have to take a decision and where do we want to go to help them? And you guide the hope that you're going to do the right thing. And so there was one situation where I had a gentleman that, you know, he uh, threatened to hurt himself, and then he started wanting to threat hurt other people. Oh, my gosh. And it's almost like talking that person off the ledge. Yeah. And so you're just talking with him, guiding him. Uh, and at that time, sometimes um, faith is not the answer, right? Faith right. is, uh, that's the last thing they want to hear. Right. But um, faith is the first thing that I search for <laughs> in myself yeah. and, and keeping me guiding in the right direction. And, you know, I, I kept praying to God, is this, is this going to happen? Is this going to move in the right direction? You know, am I doing the right thing? Give me the wisdom and knowledge to get him through. And, and luckily we got him into a safe place, into a safe situation. Um, but this was handling with, you know, he had a gun with him, and, and it was behind a closed door, and we were wow. on the other side of the door, and anything could have <laughs> happened. Um, but I put faith in God, and I knew God would direct me in the right direction, and, and luckily, you know, in the right way, he's now in a best, better place, and he's helping moving forward and giving back to society, which is what we're looking for in the best situation. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of bad situations that happen, and, and I think that's important to understand that we're not going to win every single case that we go to. Right. But right. we're going to do our best and put our, our best foot forward to do what we can to make a change. Well, and now... I mean, you're doing that on a much larger scale, if I understand correctly. So you've transitioned from just being a social worker, and now you're a CEO and executive director of this organization, Keystone Mission. So we still have a few minutes left. I wonder if you would share just a little bit of background information on what Keystone does and maybe the mission and vision of where you want to go in the future. Yeah, let me uh, – I'm going to go real quick about this because I know we're limited on time. Um, so – Keystone Mission is, is actually a rescue mission that's uh, in northeastern Pennsylvania, Scranton and Wilkes-Barre location, and our goal is to transform lives. So the best way to say this is, is that we're great in society to giving away things for free and, and, and saying, hey, here you go, here's all the food you need, here's all the clothing that you need, yeah. um, but we're hurting them in that direction because then they rely on us and they want that. That's what they're looking for. Right. What we do at Keystone Mission is we transform their lives. We have five pillars, and the pillars are self-care, uh, Genesis program, which is an evidence-based program, which changes the way that they think um, from going on the streets to living in um, a building. Uh, 
Uh, we have job readiness, which is getting them ready for a job. Uh, the fourth pillar we have is um, spiritual, which is getting connected to relationships that are out there in the community and in the direction that they're going in that way. And then the life skills piece of it, which is giving them those, you know, your typical how do you wash your clothes and that type of thing. But the whole idea is, is that we're giving them everything that they can to build a foundation so that when they're ready to go on their own, they're going to be set for everything for success. And so this may take the individual six months and may take the individual 18 months. That's not my decision to make. That's going to be God's decision and them in the direction that they're going to go. But we're going to walk that path with them. Similar to what we said in the beginning of this with the mentorship, that's exactly what we're doing. We're mentoring them. We're guiding them. We're moving them in the right direction, setting them up for success, building a good foundation so that we don't have to worry about those relapses. And we don't have to worry about those people resulting to go back on the streets. We want to keep them in apartments, giving them good jobs and good relationships that will last them the rest of their life. And the best part is we share the gospel so they can hear about the good news that's out there. Amen. Amen. I love it. Well, I, I wonder, I mean, with all the different things that you have done now with Social Worker and Keystone Mission, I, I have to imagine that God has blessed you beyond your wildest dreams. Like, I, I just wonder what some of the blessings that you've received from all the work that you've poured into other people. So I, it's it's weird. Um, prior to me believing um, and, and really taking Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, you know, I, I was all about, you know, I wanted to get my name in the front page. I wanted to get uh, the most money I could get. I mm-hmm. wanted to get the biggest car and everything like that. Yep. And now that I've taken Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and I do everything for him, um, I'm just blessed that I'm waking up every morning and I'm getting to help change lives every single day. I'm not looking for the front page. I'm no longer looking for the biggest car. I mean, I, I drive a, a Honda, uh, or no, I'm sorry, I drive a Ford Fiesta that, um, <laughs> you know, and I'm happy with that, yeah. you know, and, you know, I'm, I'm happy with the house that I live in. Uh, I have uh, two sons and a wife that I love dearly that, you know, are my life. And that's what's important anymore. Um, I've given everything to God and I follow his path. And so the blessings are just knowing that I'm changing a life is, is the most important. Uh, I'm an executive director and CEO that feels that you don't hide behind a desk. You've got to be there in the front lines with everybody else. Yep. And, and so I have three, three people or three groups that I try to support. One is I want to make sure my staff is treated and, and, and has the best thing that they can. And, and I've been doing that as best as I could. The guests that come through our doors, I want to transform their lives and move them in the right direction. And our volunteers and donors that go to the mission, I want to make sure that their money and being good stewards of their time and showing that I'm using it in the right direction. That's what I'm being blessed with, and I'm meeting all those three criteria and moving in that direction. So to say that I'm blessed, I think I'm blessed every day now um, in living, and that's truly why I feel I'm blessed. That, that is absolutely wonderful. I love that response. But we got about a minute left, Justin, and I wonder if you would just have maybe some advice that you can offer to someone that's considering launching a nonprofit. I, I can't imagine how hard it is and how much work that you've put into it and getting Keystone Mission off the ground. What would you say to someone that has a passion for something but might be hesitant to take that first step? I'm going to tell you, it's, there's been a theme on the show, I think, in this whole thing, is you need to find that mentor. You yes. need to find that person that's already done it before yes. and listen to them and, and work through the guidance with what they're doing. Yes. I'm probably going to shoot myself in the foot by saying this, but anyone can go on our website and take a look at keystonemission.org 
and, and they can email me directly, um, and I'd be more than happy to discuss that idea and, and say, hey, you know what, I'm thinking of a nonprofit. What do you think about this? But the hardest part, I think, is finding the relationships in the community. You've got to build that relationship in the community, yeah. and you do that through building mentors and building relationships with people, and, and that's the hardest part. And if you can get that down, I think the rest will follow behind it. Amen. Justin, thank you so much again for coming on the show. Thank you for your friendship, and thank you so much for supporting Serving Our Nation. It has been an honor and thank a privilege. You. Thank you, Justin. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Listen, when we come back from the break, we'll reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard from today's guests. So stay with us. We'll be right back. We've all run things we know just stay right. If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now, back to Serving Our Nation. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and as we close out today's show, I want to just briefly think about what we've heard from today's guest. You know, I've been doing this show for six months, and it is one of the greatest joys of my life because I get to talk to so many wonderful people that truly live out servant leadership, and today's guests are no different than anybody else that has been on this show. They have such incredible qualities of servant leadership. We've heard about this idea from Colonel Davis about just being available, being present. Now, he does that both in his capacity as a military officer, but as well in his capacity as a Penn State admissions director. Just being available. Call me anytime you need me. And he even says that to his family. Like, he comes home from a deployment or from a long day at work, whatever, and when he's there with his family... He's present. So just ask yourself, like, you can serve your family just in that way. When you come home from a long day at work, be present. Spend time with your wife. Spend time with your kids. Do things for them, with them. And then Colonel Davis also talked about this idea of you take care of other people, not because you want any kind of reward and not because you're getting paid or anything like that. You take care of other people because it's the right thing to do, whether it be your soldiers, your employees, students, whatever it is. You take care of other people. And he said the same thing I've been saying to you for six months. When you do that, good comes back to you. Not because people are going to you know, say, hey, here's some money, but because God will honor you for that servant leadership. God will bless you for that at the time that you need it the most. And then I love what Justin said the biggest blessing that he gets through his work in the community as a social worker and the executive director of a homeless shelter he's changing lives transforming lives he doesn't care about his house or his car or how much money he has in the bank account his goal is changing and transforming lives and i think if there's one other thing that we can glean from what justin said It's what he mentioned a number of times, this idea of being a mentor. Listen, everybody is at a different place in their walk, their spiritual walk, their physical. Everybody's in a different place in life. But you can find somebody that you can pour into their life. You can find somebody that's maybe going through the same things that you've already gone through, 
you can help them along the way. Come alongside them and help them figure out what their next steps should be. And, you know, I just want to talk to you very briefly about, again, this idea of when you put good into the universe, good comes back to you. I have a great privilege and, and to a certain degree, responsibility of praying for a lot of people during the week of prayer requests that come in through the church and people that I talk to and just a myriad of different people that I pray for on a regular basis. And this past week, I had to ask for prayer for myself from some other people. And I really wasn't feeling well at all uh, the beginning of this week. And I actually thought that I might have COVID because of some of the symptoms. Now, I was tested and I don't. But the point is, I had a lot of people praying for me, supporting me, helping me recover. And within 24 to 36 hours of reaching out and asking for help, I was completely fine. Like nothing had ever happened. And again, it's just this idea of when you care for other people and you pray for other people, they are more than happy to do that for you. And it was such a blessing to me to be able to recover so quickly. Listen, next week, another really great show for you. I have Pastor Arlena Corzine. She's the executive pastor at Kingsway Church, and she's also the director of the Life Group program there. I also have Mr. Nicholas Hoyt. He's the organizer of the Hometown Heroes Project, and he's also a member of the Upper Darby Historic Commission. I want to just remind you to sign up for my Spotify and Apple Podcast mailing list, and you can do that through my website at reverenddrpaul.com. That's R-E-V-D-R-Paul.com. You can also check out the show tab on that site for previous episodes of this program. As you go about your week, no matter where you're at, always ask, how can I help? Thanks for listening, and join us again next week. Promise you.